and welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall and Mitch Prosser to my left here in Columbia, South Carolina, and we go on the road up into the Beltway onto Capitol Hill. And Mitch, we have another one of our South Carolina congressmen joining us here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin, I am so grateful for the representation that we have there in Washington, D.C. Today's guest on Palmetto Family Matters, one of the best congressmen that South Carolina's ever had. And I don't say that just because he's here with us, but (laughs) Congressman Duncan has been a, a bastion of conservatism. He, uh, I, I must say that I'm partial to Congressman Norman because he's my congressman. But uh, if if you can get one close to Congressman Norman, we'll, he's not listening. Better than Congressman Norman, uh, Congressman Duncan, <laughs> uh, with us on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us, Congressman. Well, Mitch and Justin, thanks for having me. You know, uh, Ralph Norman's got a long ways to go to catch me. and, uh, <laughs> and but I, I'll take him uh, over a lot of my colleagues any day of the week. He does a great job, and, and I'm glad to serve with him. I served with him in the state legislature as well. So it's great to be on your podcast today, and I look forward to talking with you about probably most of the failures of the Biden administration and what it's doing to our nation. Yeah, you know, I try to be positive, Congressman. I try to not be the boogeyman, pointer-outer person, for lack of a better English phrase. But when we talk to you guys, we, we've, we've talked to Congressman Norman. Uh, we've talked to Congressman Timmons. Uh, we have calls out to uh, Congresswoman Mace and my congressman, uh, Joe Wilson, to talk about these issues. But when we talk about what's going on in Washington, Congressman, it's a lot of what's not going well, and and you actually uh, had a conversation, I'll, I'll put it that way, a conversation with the Energy Secretary, Secretary Granholm, about the Biden administration's energy policies and how they're affecting your constituents in the third and everybody in South Carolina and across the country. Yeah, I mean, so the Biden administration has caused this. They're trying to deflect and, and blame Vladimir Putin's imperialistic uh, move into Ukraine, but... The fact of the matter is, you know, energy prices were up 50 percent before Putin ever invaded Ukraine. So that's a direct uh, uh, result of the Biden's policy. Starting in January of last year, right after he took office, he signed executive orders to kill the Keystone Pipeline, which would have helped the supply side of it um, by bringing Canadian oil to American refineries. Uh, He also ended oil and gas leases, uh, future lease sales on um, federal land, onshore and offshore, and he canceled leases. Uh, onshore and offshore on federal land. So they have done nothing. It's very clear that the administration's anti-fossil fuels. She pretty much admitted that today. They want to transition to more um, renewable fuels. And I'm an all-of-the-above guy. I like the grooviness of wind and solar. But at the end of the day, I know what provides that 24-7, 365 baseload power supply that Volvo and BMW and, and TTI and Samsung and all these other great businesses like Nephron Pharmaceuticals need uh, to uh, keep their, their widgets being produced and uh, keep employing Americans. Well, Congressman, there are going to be those on the other side that say, well, wait a minute, sir, because the Biden administration has just opened up more federal leases or leases on federal lands. You wrote an op-ed about this and kind of walk us through why that move uh, basically, for lack of a better term, is just kind of just a – it's just happened. It's and, too little too late. Right. That's exactly uh, it. It was political posturing because of uh, Americans facing, you know, five dollar gallon gasoline, and we're coming into the summer, and the Biden administration's trying to at least have some sort of feel good thing uh, out there. But it's a little too late. He, he killed uh, the American energy production, which actually 
saw us as a net importer of oil, uh, net exporter of oil and natural gas. And we have the ability to export natural gas to Europe to lessen their dependence on uh, Russian, dirtier burning Russian gas. Um, we should end any Russian um, fossil fuels, whether it's oil or gas coming into this country. We uh, have seen LNG tankers in the Boston Harbor providing New England states with uh, Russian gas that burns dirtier. If you're all about climate change, you should be against Russian gas and really support American gas, which is cleaner burning and provides a great alternative to uh, to anything else in the world. And we have an abundance of, we can't even measure all of it. We have so much natural gas here. So the Biden administration just wants to keep deflecting because they are uh, the cause of inflation. They're the cause of rising energy prices. Um, Americans are feeling in their pocketbook. And uh, this will reflect in November. It's too little too late to affect November elections because the Americans are getting ready to go on vacation. And they're going to pay high fuel prices, high prices for consumer goods. They're going to put it on credit cards. And those credit card bills are going to come come due right before the election, right before they cast their vote. And they're going to vote with their wallet. You're absolutely right, Congressman. You know, as a guy who's raising three boys, and I I know a little bit about your background and your family, um, you know, it's like one of the brothers pointing at the other one, and they all have cookie crumbs on their face and on their hands. And one of the brothers pointing at the other one or the other two and saying, it's his fault, while he's got cookie crumbs all over his hands. As as if there's uh, some justification for it being the other guy's fault. And you're exactly right. The the Biden administration is blaming the Russians or the Chinese or whoever else they can. But in all reality, it's them with the cookie crumbs on their hands and on their face. And, uh, you know, you, you use the word deflection. I think that's a great word to talk about um, exactly what they're trying to do here. Uh, and that prestidigitation kind of move where it's like, hey, look what the other hands do. The American people aren't buying it. And what we've seen here in South Carolina, as you will have as a representative of our our great state, how people are keyed in on the issues. Moms who are looking at things saying, what in the world's happening? Business owners, uh, families feeling things at the pump. As we look through all that kind of stuff, you know, we could talk about all kinds of things. Tell us a little bit more about H.R. 426 and... Um, what, you know, here in South Carolina, we have the Save Women's Sports Act uh, that just got set for special order right. this week in right. the Senate. Tell us a little bit more about H.R. 426. So Greg Stubbe is a great member from Florida, and he's a sponsor of this bill. And we actually had a discharge petition to try to get that bill discharged to the floor so we can bring it without having a, to wait on Nancy Pelosi to bring it <laughs> to the floor. And this would keep um, basically transgender athletes from – participating in sports of not their gender. So it generally are the male transgenders that uh, identifies a female yeah. um, participating in female sports. And, and look, our anatomies are different. Males can just, you know, outrun, outswim, whatever, for, for the most part, most women. And you see these transgender athletes excelling in a sport against uh, the other sex. And um, so we ought to do away with that you know, participate in the sport of your biological um, uh, sex. And um, so anyway, Greg Stubbe's got that. We'll see. I think we may even get some Democrats to, to, to sign the discharge petition and get the bill to the floor. We should. Yeah, it's uh, growing possible. all over the country in other states. State legislatures are doing it. Even red state and blue states are, are all doing it. I applaud uh, Ron DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida. He's a good friend of mine. And um, 
He's a great governor in the state of Florida. Our governor in South Carolina, Henry McMaster, and our legislature have, have led on this. Uh, we've got great leaders in the House and the Senate down there, you know, uh, whether it's the, the, the future speaker, Merle Smith, or, or a guy like Bill Taylor or Danny Burden or, or uh, uh, Shane Martin and, and others. We just have uh, Josh Kimball. I can just go through a whole litany of people that come to mind that are leaders in South Carolina legislature on these uh, issues that are important to us as, uh, as fathers and mothers and and um, husbands and wives and Christians. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm hoping we can get Greg's bill, H.R. 426, to the floor. And and you mentioned the bipartisan, possible bipartisan support. House Bill 4608 passed in the House of Representatives here in our, here in our state on a bipartisan vote. And I could... I, I, fully expect to see a bit of a bipartisan vote on the Senate side, too, mm-hmm. whenever that goes as yeah. it's been set for special order. I want to circle back. We talked about the energy crisis and a little bit about Russia, um, but, Congressman, you were uh, appointed as a conferee dealing with uh, combating China through American manufacturing. Are the Biden administration's energy policies, for lack of a better term, hampering our ability to compete with China uh, on, on the world stage in terms of our manufacturing, getting things done? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've had, uh, we've been competing with China for a long time. One thing the Trump administration did was put some tariffs out there, whether you like tariffs or not, it was all an, an effort to level the playing field because American businesses and American uh, employees can compete against anyone in the world, even the Chinese. And so, in Congress, we've had some efforts to uh, address the supply chain issue, to uh, reshore, onshore American manufacturing, to bring manufacturing back to the United States, employ Americans, and produce the things that are that are critical to our nation. And one big issue in this particular uh, conference committee and this particular legislation is um, uh, microchips, um, the, the the chips that make our vehicles work and make our our phones work, uh, both for RAM and ROM um, memory. And um, those chips are made overseas. And it's been an, an attrition of that manufacturing overseas uh, over 30 years, but it's time to bring that critical supply manufacturing back to this country. So we're going to focus on that in the conference committee. And then the Democrats um, on the House side made this a much broader bill by attaching a lot of other legislation. On the Senate side, they didn't do quite as much uh, attachment. So we just need to make sure that as a conferee that uh, Republicans remain united and uh, we pass a good bill that helps American competitiveness with uh, China and doesn't get too whacked out with uh, a lot of other Democrat social policies and spending and taxation. You're talking about Democrat spending and, and, and these social policies, and, and we see it with inflation. There was just a report that uh, the economy actually dipped quite a bit, shocking, uh, when you're dealing with this level of inflation. If if you could have the president's ear for five to ten minutes, however long he can maintain the ability to focus, if you had his ear for any of that amount of time, what would you advise him to do in combating this this inflationary rise we're seeing that we're getting very close to a stagflation period, higher gas prices, higher cost on your on your food at your grocery stores? What would you advise him to do to decrease that? I mean, you might not want him to do well in the midterms, but helping would helping inflation would help him a lot. What would you advise him to do to help the American people? Well, the first thing is um, do everything in his power to drive uh, energy costs for the American consumer down. Quit trying to target big oil companies saying they're price gouging when it's the policies of the administration that's causing the supply and demand. And so as the world comes out of COVID or has been coming out of COVID lockdowns, 
uh, across the globe, demand for energy has gone up. And anytime you have increased demand and shrinking supply, which by taking American oil and gas production offline, you have a shrinking supply, it's simple economics. And so instead of begging some of our adversaries and some of Vladimir Putin's friends in Venezuela and Iran and other places to increase their production and provide foreign sources of oil to our, our nation, when we're blessed with the natural resources here, but we're cursed with liberal politicians who don't want us to, to go after those, I would encourage him to open up American production. You know, this this taking it from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is there for in a time of crisis, and we're not necessarily in a crisis, it's just economic pain for Americans that we could do something about instead of a temporary injection out of uh, the SPR. Um, not, don't do that. How about help the producers actually produce energy here? That's opening up oil and gas leases on federal land. That's helping the states in the regulatory process. And uh, and mostly it's transportation fuels. But, um, you know, the administration and Congress can do a lot more with uh, baseload power increasing uh, by supporting advanced nuclear technology and, and shrinking the time it takes for uh, nuclear reactors to come online and, and that permitting to happen. There's just a lot of things we could do for American energy. But in the in the short term, to help the American consumers as they go into summer, we can lower prices immediately because the market will respond to increased production. Even the threat of increased production by opening up areas that may not come online immediately, the market will respond just like it did when Putin went into uh, Ukraine. The market responded thinking that the oil supply was going to shrink based on that crisis mm-hmm. and the market responded prices go up. It's simply going on. Speaking of now, some... Biden may not understand. Well, yeah. that, you, yeah. you got a valid point there and, uh, uh, speaking of simple economics, which even President Biden could understand, and he said something back when he was the vice president uh, during the Obama administration about spending and debt and how a nation's uh, wealth was known by its debt. There's one thing that President Biden knows how to do very well, and that's spend money that he doesn't have. How does that affect the people of South Carolina? It, as Washington continues, and let me say this, those that are in the executive branch continue to spend money that they don't have. How does that affect South Carolinians specifically within the 3rd District? Well, first off, let me say that uh, if we're talking about personal money, the Bidens have plenty of that because Hunter <laughs> Biden spent pocket of the Biden family for too long by working yeah. against our adversaries. So, and that's been proven with the, the laptop and the emails. Um, from the nation standpoint, we're $31 trillion in debt, and that's a number that I can't even fathom. I've been fighting. When I first came, uh, our first debt ceiling increase in 2011, debt was $14.3 trillion, and now we're $31 trillion. So um, Democrats know how to spend money. Republicans didn't do a much better job when we had control. I think we should uh, do a better job when we take back the House and, and spending and borrowing. When you have the budget, Chairman Yarmouth uh, stand on the floor and say that, you know, we can just print our way out of this. No, you can't. You can't just print money to do this. You will default on your debt when the, mm-hmm. the debtors, uh, uh, creditors say they want their money back. Mm-hmm. A rising interest rate environment, which we're going to see based on what the Fed is doing, means that interest rates go up. That means our cost of borrowing funds or paying for the money we've already borrowed, the interest on that, that number goes up. That's less money that's available for government to spend on defense or other things that we need to um, spend money on. And so because we're spending more money on interest in a rising interest rate environment, debt is a bad thing for a nation. A little debt's not bad because borrowing money's cheap right now. It's less than 5%. Uh, it has been for too long probably because we borrowed a lot of money, cheap money. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and businesses borrow cheap money. Government borrows cheap money. But there, get, there has to be a point where you look at GDP, you look at our ability to uh, repay, and it gets into a crisis situation. I felt like the nation was in a crisis situation for way too long. Yeah, you're right about that, Congressman. There's no question. And I, I, I do I do respect you can't just tee up somebody when it comes to the Biden administration, the Biden family and money, because that's just that's just too e- that's just too easy for some of us. He the congressman well, congressman beat there, me to it. Laptop and all that. It was just there. I had to go I had you, to go there. You you can't not. What laptop? Oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a new owner of Twitter, so there is a laptop now. Suddenly there's a laptop. Yeah. I, it, and that we could talk about media and, and that sort yeah. of thing. Twitter won't believe you that there's a laptop. Twitter still doesn't believe there's a laptop. Right, right. And um, you know all the all the the Twitter babies out there that uh, they don't believe anything uh, when it relates to one of their candidates, one of their politicians, whether it is um, you know Fing Fang and, um, and and Swalwell sleeping together, and he's on Intel, made sharing mm-hmm. uh, United States secrets with Pillow with a Chinese uh, spy. You know, they don't believe that. They don't believe what Adam Schiff was involved in trying to hoodwink the American people about President Trump and the Russian dossier. They don't believe the dossier was created by Hillary Clinton's um, operatives. Uh, they believe it's a real document about Donald Trump. They don't mm-hmm. believe uh, anything because it, uh, it's the truth, and they don't want to believe the truth. And And uh, it's going to be interesting, guys, to see what uh, Elon Musk is able to do with Twitter and who stays on and whether the platform grows or whether – uh, it goes away. I'd hate to see him invest that kind of money for it to go away. That's why I hope conservatives continue to use it as a, a platform to try to get the truth out there. I, and I think they will. I speak for one of them in the room when I say I will continue to use it because that the Twitter Twitter's my newspaper in most cases. That's where I get my news. So I tell people, follow people like yourself and others, including the former president, on Twitter. You're going to get the word straight from him, not filtered through whatever um, media source you're going to go through, which is going to have a little mixture of bias thrown in, no matter who it is. And so you want to get it directly from from the horse's mouth, hey, as the I, saying goes. I'd take a mean tweet right now over this inflation <laughs> and these gas prices. I, I would take know? a mean tweet at dollar eighty seven. Right now, versus paying five dollars a gallon for diesel. Right, you've got that right. Yeah, I don't have to factor in. I have to factor in gas now to my summer vacation. I don't <laughs> like doing that. I'd prefer not to. Uh, when you're already paying for a place vacation. to stay and things we're, to do. You're doing a vacation at my house. Yeah. We're just going to stay home. <laughs> that makes sense. And sometimes that costs just as much because you're worried about uh, food prices too. Congressman, we really appreciate you joining us uh, on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Thank you for what you do in Washington and what you do for us back here in South Carolina. We appreciate your hard work. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I'd love to come on again sometime down the road and let you know what's going on with the conference and as a conferee. And uh, as we move forward to November, we'll get back on. Of course. That sounds great, Congressman. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you guys on Friday for another edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast.